Welcome back to Boneside Southeast, guys. Thanks for listening. This is going to be our third episode. And in this episode, we brought back Nate, uh, Nate Murray, our Yamadori collector. And uh, we sat down and we started kind of going through a bald cypress uh, care guide sheet that I actually developed with Dawn Ketting. And we made sure to go through and make every detail of the care guide aimed towards taking care of bald cypress on the very particular and high detailed level in which the trees deserve um, in order to bring them into a high level of development so that we can achieve really beautiful nabari, really beautiful scaffolding and refined twiggy branching for these trees and also to keep them in optimum health. Uh, so this care guide will really help out people in the southeast range of the United States and you'll have to kind of alter your care for bald cypresses in a little bit colder areas or areas that are not nearly as coastal or tropical feeling as Louisiana's would, uh, climate would be. So I hope you guys get a lot out of this and I'm going to have to make it into a three-parter because Nate's extremely enthusiastic about bald cypress. Uh, in general and so we have to break this up into multiple parts so this is going to be part one and i hope y'all get a lot out of this i took a lot of time writing this care guide with dawn and i feel like it's something that really needs to be put out there like an updated version of this but before we get too far i wanted to mention our sponsor the sponsor for this podcast is underhill bonsai in which i am the manager and resident bonsai artist here at this nursery this uh, bonsai nursery is Louisiana's premier bonsai nursery and we carry everything that you could ever need for bonsai and and the hobby itself so we carry everything from tools and wire and fertilizers we make our own soil in-house we have a good arrangement not arrangement but assortment more like of Chinese pottery Korean pottery Taiwanese pottery stuff stuff like that that's more affordable, but we also carry the artesian uh, high-end pottery such as um, Byron Myrick, Chuck Eicher, and Lynn August. Those are our favorite ones to carry in-house. There's a couple of other ones out there that we're looking into carrying. And then it, and we also are, we are a grow nursery, so we actually grow and prop, we propagate and grow a lot of our stock here. So uh, we take lots of cuttings, plant seed, sow seed more like, and we also do local Yamadori collecting. So you can find a array of different species and different sizes and different stages of development um, so we have plenty of things to offer as far as that goes but hope you guys enjoy this episode and i look forward to uh getting some more bald cypress care and stuff like this going on for future episodes and also um as a note our next episode features a very special guest so i can't wait to bring that episode to you guys really soon here all right i'll see you on the other side guys this particular episode um got nate back um just gonna sit down and have another conversation about our favorite species for the southeast we're gonna be talking about bald cypress again um i think i might have told you a little bit what i was thinking was to i wrote up a care guide with me and dawn um and dawn ketting and we we kind of revised it and made sure that it fits all the criteria for bald cypress as bone size as far as developmental techniques um potting training and then also like what kind of fertilizers how to treat the tree throughout the year so it's just like a general good overview care guide and so i figured this podcast could be not so heavily based on just the entertainment value where we just listen to some guys rant we're going to try to bring it to an education level too uh because i mean you're a, you're a coach and a teacher so i mean that kind of suit that kind of goes into your strong suit as well so um well, so I, I want to learn from you, honestly, too, because me being just a few years into uh, collecting, I have used souls of convenience at times. Yeah. Whether it be uh, a degree of pine mulch, uh, uh, a black cow, you know, more of a manure, heavy, heavy organics, things like that. Now, understand, it's all straight from collection. 
we're not talking and also obviously have some trees from collection that I've put into uh, the nursery soil the, and when I say nursery soil I'm speaking of the the high quality bonsai not just peat but like a right. soil conditioner with pine mulch or perlite induced and that is some that is quality soil so that is one of the topics that we're going to go over in this cast is about soil quality like quality of soil compared to what state of development your bald Correct. cypress is in and though know, keeping keep in uh, mind with this uh, for those that are listening that this is solely about our Louisiana state tree the bald cypress the taxidium distigium it also can be applied to the uh, taxidium ascendens so uh, this 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 cast is also being um, being recorded in the nursery so if there is an instance where we do get a customer and I have to get up and walk for a second uh, it can be edited out and stuff so um, and when so. you say that when you touch on not only what species and, and where we are, mm -hmm. I, I think there's something to be said about the nature of the tree and how much it loves water and the, the water retention of the soil. Yeah. Water frequency, maybe water retention of, of the soil itself. Yeah, and, and we're gonna get into all of that for sure. Sweet. Um, so I'm just gonna start from the top. This care guide is going to be gone over um, I'm actually doing a workshop. I know you saw that workshop Saturday. We're doing a workshop. This is going to be covered in detail. It's going to be printed out and given to the students. So I just wanted to go ahead and give this information. And this podcast episode will actually come out like post-workshop. So those people will do the workshop this weekend. Uh, we'll probably launch this episode next, and then Mike's will pr proceed. Uh, that's another thing to look forward to for the listeners out there. We have Mike Lane of Weigert's down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. He's gonna be a guest speaker with uh, me and Mark, and we're just gonna talk about his most recent opportunity to be uh, published in Bonsai Focus Magazine, as far, and also as like all the other things that he's done in his Bonsai career that is, that is of note. And so you guys can learn a bit more about this amazing Shoheen Bonsai artist down in Florida. Also, we're gonna bring in uh, Jonas Dupuy. He's gonna be coming on with us uh, in the near future. And me and Jonas and probably Mark or Nate, depends on who we can get to sit down and talk. Uh, I'll try to get Nate on that one because Mark's getting to talk to Mike tonight. So, uh, But basically, we're just going to pick Jonas's brain about his publication of his book, Little Book of Bonsai, and also his bonsaitonight.com, his blog posting website he's really well known for, and then talk some growing techniques with him because, I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge. But uh, let's go ahead and start breaking down this this. Uh, this care guide for bald cypress. Can I? I just want to piggyback off what you said. Yeah, some of, the, some of the. That's what we're here for. Well, to talk. <laughs> yeah. So some of the guys, man, that you've been able to contact, reach out to, you know, through social media and whatnot. It is so cool how, you know, like we said, the rock stars, the the notoriety of some of these guys, and and Dawn too. Not just say guys, but. Some yeah, of these some good girls out there, right? Too. But the sharing of information, like it's not a hoarding. I'm going to keep it to myself. I want to grow the best trees. Like it is, it's a generous community. We're talking about you know Jonas being, you know, the Northwest Pacific Northwest. We're talking mm -hmm. about Mike on the completely opposite end, you know, South and Florida. He's, he's in our southeast range, but Florida, it, he's in such a south, like southern tip of Florida that it's actually a different range yeah. from us and so that's what I was um and we'll, we'll get to the care guide in just a second uh, after we fit, we wrap up the uh as far as who we will have as future guests I'm hoping to get a couple more people that are related to the southeast range but uh I mean we're totally open to talk to whoever really whoever's in the world of bonsai and get their take on it especially north uh Ameri like American North American species. species yeah right um, but it, it's cool because I guarantee you when we sit with these folks they've made some of the same mistakes that we've all made <laughs> yeah. early on and they're willing to share hey here's here's some solutions and that's what we're going to talk about today yeah. with Cyprus but the idea look mistakes are going to happen you're going to kill a certain amount of your trees yeah um, and make those mistakes you know but and we want to prevent that as much as possible that was a topic that me and Mark sat down did you listen to the not it's an enti in its yeah. entirety. On the previous episode, we were talking about, uh, Mark asked me this terrible question. He was like, so, 
how many trees have you killed? And I was like, Mark, don't ask me that question. <laughs> Only but, yeah. the last three years is when it matters, right? Yeah. Since being at the nursery. Since being at the nursery, uh, Dana, Dana Quattlebaum was here, and he was like, so how long have you been doing bonsai? I'm like, 10 years. He was like, well, I, you know what that means. That means that only about a quarter of that have you been really practicing bonsai. And I was like, oh, come on, man. But, like, that's just the way it is, though, because you make a lot of mistakes early on. That's what he was right. saying. You make mistakes early on. You start learning, and then you start producing quality stuff for your future in bonsai. Right. Um, and that's another person we'll have later on. Uh, Dana... Um, he, Dana Quaterbaum, y'all can look him up on Facebook, uh, Quaterbaum uh, Boneside Nursery, he's based out of Arkansas. Uh, he swings through Louisiana quite often, he has, uh, he has like clientele and Japanese gardens and whatnot that he maintains as he travels around, and when, next time he stops through, we're going to have him on as well. Um, yeah. And we're going to have him, him, him here in person, and oh crap, I forgot, um, we are going to have Jason Osborne from Florida as well. So. When he stops through town, uh, he's agreed that he wants to sit down and talk to you. So we'll have we've got a couple of people coming up. There'll be a time people begin to ask Evan to come on their podcast. So <laughs> get ready, man. No, no. Get it's your suitcase ready. Okay? <laughs> I know you hear it. No. I can always Skype or Zoom people. I'll dog you don't sit. have to run in. I'll dog sit while y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Fly around and record podcast episodes. Anyway. Landing strip in the back back here. <laughs> oh, don't go into that. Um today's episode's topic the king of the south i'm not talking about you nate the king of the south the american bald cypress so what i've got here it's a it's going to be made into a trifold handout says uh the american bald cypress taxidium vestigium is a wonderful native that is considered a staple species in southeast united states for bonsai collections it is considered an iconic tree of swampy deltas throughout the south many photos of this majestic tree show them grouped in ancient groves with Spanish moss hanging from their branches giving them a mystical hazy appearance. The beauty of these trees can be captured in miniature quite easily as they respond to pruning techniques and bonsai pot culture. They have several attributes to make them an outstanding specimen for bonsai. From the compound like leaf to their brilliant reddish bark, bald cypresses are quite easily the top species for the bonsai practice here in Louisiana challenge me. Basically, I didn't put challenge me at the end there, or right. or debate with me. But no, like that's just that's the opening there. So All right, well, that's good. Um, I wrote that, by the way. That's <laughs> no help. Yeah, uh, well, I had a little bit of revising help um, <laughs> because I write so quickly. Sometimes some things come out. Kind doctor of, kind of help, right? Yeah, uh, I've got a doctor to kind of help me out revise. I'm very lucky for that. <laughs> Um, in case y'all didn't know, uh, Caitlin, my, my fiance, she's recently coming to her externship for audiology and she'll be down in New Orleans. So just a little shout out, a little doctor over there. She's trying to act like she's not in the room right now. Um, so I've got next part. It says fun fact, uh, bald cypress is a deciduous conifer cone maker and is one of the few native in the United States, native to the United States, due to their deciduous nature, they have been given the quirky name of bald when they lose their leaves. So, do you know what the other deciduous conifer in the United States would be? Um, I'm guessing a redwood. Uh, Dawn redwood is not native to our range, but it does really well here. Uh, well, you, you mean the, the coastal redwood. And that's, yeah. that's a conifer. Gotcha. It keeps its, it's leaves not a dis- uh, Okay, it's yeah. not a, a deciduous conifer. No, it's... Um, it's a, it's an evergreen, but it's in the same it's in the same genus. Right. So it has the same. It's, it's growing right. It's a decidium. You know, right. Uh, so it uh no it's a taxidium. I'm sorry, it's a taxidium. So it's a because uh, dawn redwood is the metasequoia, and then there is giant sequoia, sequoia, giant sequoias. Metasequoia is just like its subspecies name. I could be butchering this up really bad, but uh, can I say though, being I've seen them in person, it is a must see for any yeah tree lover. Yeah. To get to the West Coast and see. And Nate can attest. He, he got married underneath some. Right. So, um, it's a must see for sure. I'm a little jealous of that because we were trying to go. Me and Caitlin took a trip up there this past uh, this past winter. We really wanted to go see the Redwoods, but they were just way too far south. We were yeah. in Seattle, Tacoma area. And uh, we would have had to drive way south of Portland to even start to see them. Yeah. Um, and that was not even the crim to crim of like the specimen trees we could have saw either but maybe one day we'll end up in like 
California or something, and it'll be easier to go see the Woodwood Trail, the Redwood Trail. There you go. But uh, the answer to the question uh, earlier that I said, the other deciduous conifer, at least the one I know of, um, if there's another one out there, I'm sure there is. There's uh, the the larch uh, okay, gro yeah. grows uh, closer to Canada. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, they have European larch is really popular in in bonsai culture, but we have a native larch that grows north in North uh, America as well. That's actually an excellent bonsai tree. I hear some other practitioners talking about large pretty often. Yeah. But it, it's definitely not something that's native down here. In the oh, no. We, unfortunately, we wouldn't be able to get it. But larch is really cool because uh, larch makes a needle, like an actual hard needle, whereas mm -hmm. the bald cypress makes a soft, feathery needle. So we'll go into the next next part here. I got features listed for them and says, uh, so we're talking about the, the leaves naturally small pinnate leaflets that have the appearance of being several small sets of leaves so not a compound leaf but like a leaf that has like little tiny bits to it that are that appear to be tinier leaves on that one stem so mm. that's that's one of the things like instant instant leaf reduction almost i mean those furrows can get really long but they're easy to reduce right um attractive brownish gray to reddish trunks on mature trees with long stranded peeling bark I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, robust bases with fluting root flares, something that you look for all the time, of course. Normally seen on larger trees. Mm -hmm. You found some on smaller trees recently. Uh, I'm talking to Nate here. Um, interesting ball-like fruiting bodies, the cones, which contain the seeds, that appear in late summer and stay on the tree even through the wintertime. An impressive display of fall color ranging from roset red to coppery tones and dry brown leaves that cling onto the branches throughout much of the winter and even into the spring the, the leaves push those old brown leaves off and then there's the occasional opportunity to have the notorious uh famous knees the bald cypress knees so like let's talk about knees a little bit um and so nate how do you feel about bald cypresses with knees as far as like the quality or what what's the purpose there or what does that mean for you? Hearing that it, the knees and, and how wide the, the roots underground or under the water, how far they reach, is for stability. You know, we could talk about the geographic range of cypress. Um, think of it like this. So how many times have you seen a bald cypress knocked over after a hurricane? I mean, not a good number of them, honestly. Right, and, and I really think it's it's how wide their root base is. Mm -hmm. Dude, I, I, <laughs> I know you don't think I have an answer, but I, I will tell you from two inches. <laughs> Everyone's got an answer I'm, to this dude, question. Dude, I've got, I've got, I'm just telling you what I've run across. Yeah. From larger ones to smaller, two, two and a half inch, you know, root base that have knees that, are an inch high whether that be coming from the soil level or whether that be coming off the bottom of the nabari you know right at the base like it i don't know why it happens okay yeah and a lot of people don't yeah um and you found we have some trees outside that nate's collected that uh we talked about this in the that very first episode how we found knees on growing on the actual trunks mm -hmm. of the trees which is really cool and we found them with the knees growing straight out the side where the roots are what do stuff. you think why do you think knees are are formed i've heard trees? a lot so i'm gonna read here is i got a fun another fun fact because okay. these facts are extremely fun i mean they get me they really now mind you these facts <laughs> they really these get me facts going come from somebody else who's not quite sure either so well these fun facts that i'm going to have listed throughout this this care guide are just a little bit of like well did you know because i'm okay if you know you know me i'm kind of like one of those people like well guess what guess what you didn't know but i kind of know because i kind of looked it up a little bit yeah this is what i found I beat out. you to it yeah no uh i'm just a huge nerd for that <laughs> and i'm i've been called a know-it-all but i mean that's kind of my job um fun fact number two mm -hmm. the fact that bald cypresses have knees is considered a mystery. Some speculate the knees are part of the root system that has elevated above the water to gather more oxygen. Okay. This assessment is contradicted by the fact that these knees can also develop on trees that are growing in drier locations as well. So I've I, seen people run over bald cypress knees with a lawnmower and flatten them and stuff. It's the whole reason do not plant them in your landscape. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think one of the things with that too is like water 
being like just a couple inches below the surface of some people's properties mm -hmm. because you can literally like throughout the decades like watch someone's house slowly sink into the ground mm -hmm. here so i think maybe that's also kind of a thing is like maybe there's just a lot of water on the there's like we're right on that water table so maybe there's just enough water right there for the knees to push up so i know um i know there's a lot of people in the southeast range that are really familiar with said knees but for those who are not from the southeast or have not seen a bald cypress or paid much attention, a bald cypress knee is a very unique thing to um, to the just the, the taxidium species as, in, as a whole. They're the only ones that really do it. I know there's a couple other species that do really unique things like that. Like uh, I was talking to somebody earlier with uh, the ginkgo trees. The ginkgos have these kind of like stalagmite, mm -hmm. kind of like drippy looking things that come off the sides of their, their trunks when they get old and thick. Um, there's a couple other species, like, I guess, like, what's that species where they look like they're standing up on roots in water? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, not the mangroves. Mangroves. Yeah. There's, like, mangroves that do that really unique, right. like, rootage kind of thing where it looks like they intentionally, like, raise up and look like they're walking on the water. So, I've seen a picture of a eucalyptus tree where it, the, the bark had looked stripped, but it was because the bark sheds different times throughout the year and it, it was just striped oh, yeah. in different colors. It so it's really like that neat. rainbow pattern. Right, it was thing. really cool. And I've seen a lot of people look that up. I've seen people like um, list those eucalyptus uh, trees like here's uh, 20 eucalyptus bonsai seeds and it's just like it's first of all it's just seeds for that plant but also you might not be able to grow it because the range on those are very limited. Mm. That's like a very dr hot dry plant from my understanding i'm not sure um but anyway yeah so the this the cypress knees is a iconic very makes bald cypress what it really is i mean you got that flat top kind of nature to them uh, looking at this picture this uh julia sims picture right next to where we're recording that, that flat top nature you can even see some of the knees popping out of the water in that picture even some dead trunks kind of look like knees a little bit but it looks like this kind of weird bump like a little, it looks like the tree started to grow like another trunk off the off of its root structure, and then it stopped. It's kind of blunted looking, and there's no leaves. There's no, there's not really anything else going on. It's not growing more roots on the side of it. It's literally like coming from a deep submerged root or buried root or something, and it just looks like little little hills that little bumpy root hills that kind of just build up over time, and they can get really tall. It, it's almost like if you imagined it like as as lava or as just magma coming from the earth almost it, like a little geyser root right <laughs> but you, it, you've seen the location uh where it had such undulations had the cliffs hmm. there are some that are almost as tall as we are that yeah. are and that's what i was going to bring up yeah it's like it's it, not just hey shin height which you know, four five six inches tall some of these knees are so they're so scattered around bigger, older trees that, like, I, you find yourself, you're looking up at this bald cypress, and they're, they're, they're like, native to the, uh, not native, they're related to the redwoods, so they can get really big and thick, uh, really round in the trunk diameter. So you're, look, you're gazing up into the canopy of these tall cypresses, and you're just constantly tripping over these knees because they can be, there can be thousands of knees on one singular ancient tree. And, like, Nate said, yeah, like, Sometimes you'll walk into an old old growth forest of, of uh, bald cypress and find knees that are literally like eight feet tall. Right. Incredible um, looking trees. Like if y'all haven't Googled what a bald cypress knee could look like, it's it could be insane. And so another thing in regards to collecting, because there's been certain trees that I've gone to collect, and, and you get really excited because you think, oh, this is a knee attached, and this was before I actually had found the several that I have this year. Mm -hmm. Based on the, the the directionality of the knee, if it's not if it's not directly coming or pointing to that tree that you're collecting, more than likely it's not attached. It's yeah. going to be relative to a, another larger, possibly the, another larger. The knees are like kind of like skinnier wise by the way that they run. Right. They tend to be skinnier towards the tree that they are connected Correct. to. Correct. Um, that's a good observation. I had I had not actually thought about that. That's a good point like that um, because that's one thing too is I noticed that a lot of cypresses were the main source of income for their their uh, for their up nutrient uptake and water uptake that is where we've talked about the that flare. the flare is going to be the biggest but also that they could be that's also aiming to like you'll probably find 
uh, knees are coming off off of that eventually in the future mm-hmm. as well. And we've watched knees kind of like start, like gradually start growing off of little bumps that we suspected were knees here, and we put them in bonsai soil and they started developing. Curious if that's just genetics. What are your thoughts on that? I am I am currently under the belief, and, I, and as long as I've been working with cypresses, we're supposed to get a uh, we're supposed to get a guest on our, on the later on maybe either third Thursday through Underhill um, or here on the podcast I'm hopefully going to get a researcher like a uh, ecologist on swampland and bald mm-hmm. cypresses that can further explain it to me he was a doctor of uh, horticulture I can't remember who's a uh, can't remember the name but we'll get them eventually it's just every once in a while somebody stops in here and they're like hey I know a guy or a woman who knows this or that about bald cypresses let me get you their name and then you know, next time I hear that, I hear that conversation come up. I'm like, get that person in here. Stop everything you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> come over here. Put the scissors aside. Jump on your plane and fly out there. No, uh, but anyway. So let's go into the. Uh, so we're in, we got out of the out of the introduction to our tree, to our bald cypresses, and now let's get into the uh, the hard facts of what we know. And this is this is a collection of. Um, bald cypresses, I think, have been used for bonsai for quite some time now. Uh, we want to, we want to say of note, we want to thank Von uh, Banting, the late Von Banting, for for uh, showing us how to style them and how to collect them and make them into really nice, bo- uh, really nice bonsai. Also, would like to thank Gary Marcel, another guy that went out and collected some of the biggest first Yamadori bald cypresses. Uh, so those people are of note. So these are kind of, this is like a collection of that crossed over with John Naka's practices when he came down to work alongside uh, Vaughn Banting. They kind of kind of fine-tuned the care and then over the modern practices, um, what we have seen thus far. Uh, so I bounced these ideas off of uh, Dawn Ketting as well, and she has submitted a bald cypress to a show in Texas and won Best Texas Native, even though it came from Louisiana. So she knows something about bald cypresses. So this is a little bit about a little bit of me, a little bit of her, a little bit of everyone else that's dealt with them. So, so tell me that before you get into care. Yeah. Do you think the care, the the design elements, it can truly be pointed and be attributed to Louisiana? Uh, this is going to be Louisiana, and this could be adaptable to other ranges as long as you keep this in. You keep like temperature and length of summer and winter time for these trees in mind. Um, well, what I'm getting at, I guess, to better ask or explain, mm. can we claim Louisiana to be the kings of, of Cyprus? Oh, well, Florida is a, is a close contender, northern parts of Florida, and Texas, I have to admit, southeast Texas, Cypress trees grow really nice over there. There's some really great stock. You feel um, they grow any different in different locations? Yes. Different parts of the country? Definitely. They grow in Tennessee. We went up to Tennessee and we, we knew that there was a bayou up there, believe yeah. it or not. And the, the cypress trees seem to grow more of them to a, what I would call a bell shape, um, where the bottoms just get really fat, almost like a black gum would grow here. Um, and they don't do the fluting too much up, hmm. up in Tennessee. Down here, they make the fluting in the knees like crazy, whereas when they're up further, into like the Tennessee range and North Carolina, they kind of they follow the Mississippi up, so they're like a little bit in those areas, like the Carolinas and stuff, and then Tennessee and you know Alabama and Mississippi's got them as well. So they're kind of scattered, but I would say yes, Louisiana, we're not we're not the kings of the king of the bald cypress. I'm saying based on its history, I guess. Is his, what I'm, oh yeah, the origins of aesthetics, without a doubt, comes from here. Yeah, from New Orleans. I have to. I have to give full credit to that, um, with with the help of, of uh, John Naka as well. He came here. He was amazed by the species and like further dove into that species with uh, with Vaughn. So yeah, I would say I would say we could take all the credit because there's other practitioners out there that sure. are advancing the idea of bald cypress, but we live amongst them. We understand it. But like I said, I don't want to claim to it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, basic care guide position outdoor. Without a doubt. I have to say that one. <laughs> I have to say that one. Outdoor, full sun for the vast majority of the year. It is best to expose your bald cypress to as much bright light as possible without allowing the soil media to dry out. Older specimens with shallower, finer root systems may be need protecting during the hottest weeks of the summer. 
Having a way to erect a 20 to 30% shade cloth to create a partial shade area and one way to combat relentless summer days um, is ideal for the species. Winter protect protection is as simple as dropping the bald cypress to the ground to allow ground radiation to protect fine roots. Make sure all of your bald cypress root balls are watered if a freeze is anticipated. Frozen moisture forms ice that protects the roots from temperatures below 32 degrees. And so like that's kind of like a, that last part with the winter thing. Um, some people leave their cypresses up on the bench, is what you call it, all year long, even during the hardest freezes of the year. Me as a deciduous bonsai practitioner, leaning more towards deciduous than the conifers, because the conifers can stay on the benches. I don't take my pines or junipers down, but the, any anything deciduous, especially with a finer, softer root system like that, if I want to keep my ramification and my, my growing tips intact to keep my twigginess, I always drop to the ground and mulch in. Um, Under 37, 38? 32. 32? Yeah, because 37, because the top of the tree, I'm not too worried about because it's the deciduous tree. So it's lost all of its leaves. Anything I'm worried about that would be on the top side of the tree is gone. Um, everything in that, during the winter, I'm only worried about the roots because whatever happens to the roots during the winter is going to tell me, it's going to show me what happens in the springtime. So like, if I didn't take care of my roots properly during the winter and I get some twig dieback, it got too cold. Something got frozen. There was root death. There was something along those lines. Um, I also wanted to state about the, the shade cloth in the summer. I know it starts out saying lots of sun, but then in the summer, as the trees get older, and we're talking like older in development, in training, because we're pushing these trees into a really hostile state of existence and getting the sun off of them in the hottest time of the year. The hottest time of the year for us in Louisiana is June, July, August, and it can be brutal. It could be like 100 degrees outside. Humidity is out of this world, you know. So, uh, I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? So, I've got a about a 16 by 30 uh, enclosure that I've built. Um, about four or five feet on both sides that is not covered. I've got 60% shade cloth. Um, now, I water three times a day. Uh, I've got a Wi-Fi ratio yeah. irrigation. Um, you know, so some of my tree, like I can move them underneath the yeah, shade cloth easily. Correct. Um, you know, it, we even had the conversation where Dana had mentioned to you, you're taking a tree from being submerged. In the water. Correct. Mm -hmm. To now you have, you know, a very, even if it's a, a refined tree or a collect, recently collected tree, yeah. as my larger one is, to protect and, and keep moisture and keep those temperatures yeah controlled. keep the temperature on the flutes like uh nate collected he collect uh you collected because I'm, I'm i imagine like hearing that from the listener's point of view that's like talking about another nate but it's because i did that on a previous episode there so i was like wait a second that sounds weird you collected um a bald cypress recently that we talked about a little bit it is a big giant honking base and has beautiful flares and and all these nice little Nabari roots going on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Nate, you gotta cover that up in the summer. And you were like, oh man, what do you mean? Like, and I was like, you know, cause you wanna enjoy that flare, but for the sake of the tree, and you don't wanna, and you don't wanna burn up that Nabari and those fresh roots that you just yeah. took out of the water. Uh, it's because I would like to say it's more like those roots and Nabari and flare is all like very virgin to like the open right. air still. They've been submerged and basking um, in cool water for years and now you're suddenly taking away all that you're taking away that cover and that that shelter basically of water over those roots and they're just getting hit by brutal hot sun um, and so something that we could add into this care guide is as things get out of control spin out of control with the summer it, thankfully it's only like about a solid month of of brutal beat down from the sun but you could take uh Dawn said, best case scenario, take some white t-shirts, go to the store, get some Hanes t-shirts, cut them up long ways and lay them over, drape them over the most valuable part of your of your flutes that have been submerged previously. So there's still some airflow. You remove those yeah. when it's not the, the you're not, hottest time of the day. You're, you're not just incubating. You're using, you're not using a beach towel or like a, right. like a bathing cloth. You're using a, uh, a thin, really thin t-shirt. Strips. Strips of t-shirt. Yeah. And I mean, that 
like tattered strips, but like a like a t-shirt cut in half, opened up like like a book basically. A degree of airflow. Yeah, and they'll get airflow. Yeah. Um, don't don't worry about it because it's only going to be your your really beautiful Navarian fluting is only going to be covered up for the hottest part of the, of the year. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll burn them off, and you'll see if you look at some pictures of bald cypress. Uh, bonsai online, you'll see some of the the, fl- the flutes come down really lovely, but then they'll have those hollows at the end of them where they burned Some off back. and they died back. So watering, something you mentioned about uh, watering. Bald cypress is truly a thirsty tree. It is virtually impossible to overwater a bald cypress. Based off of this fact, they are a great candidate for beginners to practice for the practice of bonsai. Make sure you grow your bald cypress in a we- a well draining yet somewhat moisture retentive soil media in the heat of the summer you can submerge your bald cypress in a large tub or kiddie pool of water the water should have should be approximately up to one wait no they should be approximately three-fourths of the height of the soil level in your pot so you, stating that is just like basically it's just like a big giant drain tray that doesn't let the water settle and come up over the top of the pot and wash your soil immediately away over time and loosen everything up. You want it to still be compact. Well, in a mortar tub, some people argue, you know, do you, do you not create drainage holes, you know, like colanders and stuff. Colanders are great, but if you want, you want to keep those feet wet, Yeah. don't include, you know, drainage holes. And I, look, I've got some that I've included drainage holes and I have some that I this is where it gets really wild with some people i know some people that um like i went to go work on someone's trees Mm -hmm. um not too long ago like a couple weeks ago and uh, this lady had collected a bunch of bald cypresses and had just put them straight into a mortar tub no no drainage holes walk like just watered the heavily watered and kind of just left the field soil and a little bit of garden soil intact and the trees are growing they're not. They're not doing. They're not doing bad. They could be better. Mm. Um, I will step up to bat to say that soil media from a recent, recently collected bald cypress in a standing water situation is more is like mu- just as important as like how much water you're giving it at that time as well. So like free draining sounds kind of like okay. Well, I can't overwater the tree. Why would I need free draining soil? Because I don't. I would like to get a lot of oxygen to the roots. Because that gives you healthier, stronger, faster-growing roots. In turn, you get faster, stronger shoots and times of development. And you can always, always slow it down. If you're going to be diligent with water, and why not have more aeration? Why not have more oxygen flow? Yes, because the more oxygen flow you have, and the more the more aerobic, the more things that move through your soil media, the easier and like applying fertilizer, basically. Application of fertilizer is going to be easier. It's going to be more effective. Um, in standing water, yes, you can put. Now, be careful if you're going to like collect a cypress and then synthetic Miracle Grow, throw it in that in that fertilizer. Um, in that standing water situation, you can burn that tree alive with that fertilizer. Now they they're going to suck it up and they're going to eat that fertilizer up. But if you got an exceptionally weak bald cypress, you could kill that thing right out because they're normally super strong trees. You get enough roots on them. Yeah, like you've seen this, you you get you collect enough roots on a collected bald cypress, and you throw that thing into any situation, you know, straight muck or just pure garden soil, pure uh, draining aggregate, thing's going to survive. Mm-hmm. Now, to what degree is it going to be healthiest? That you know, there, there's varying opinions on that. Well, but to to go a step further and talking about cutting back and really plating the bottom of it, you have to remove mm-hmm. at least the bulk of the field soil. The crawfish muck, you have to remove that to truly plate it to set yourself up to eventually put it into a bonsai container. Yeah, and and it's good. it is in good practice to cut the bottom out of the nabari and, I mean, of the root tap ball. Root. Tap, there's, and the tap roots are not going to be enormous on, especially standing water situation bald cypresses. Cutting that flat and going there and removing field soil, I believe that that type of work you don't do it early and you don't do it when you get the tree out of the ground you're going to set yourself back because you're going to have to do it one day especially if you want to go from that grow tub or grow box into a super shallow container and you can get them into super shallow containers because of how 
how dense they can grow root systems out um, and outwards and that water retention is just gets higher and higher the shallower and wider it gets well talk you may mention it later on but you completely bare root talk about having to to manually add microbial well you know that's that's one thing too is I used to harp on bare rooting bald cypresses and now I'm kind of leaning back towards and this is just as we evolve in our practice here and the way that I've done it yeah microbial microbial activity and and soil it, it's going to exist in field soil mm. and so I have been leaving as much field soil okay near near like the trunk not on the outskirts the outskirts okay. are gonna get washed off anyway but uh but yeah it's it is okay to leave that field soil in there but eventually with time it will wash out so we talk about how hardy how sturdy and just strong these trees are so there's a tree i collected last last season gifted it to a close friend of mine and just yesterday so we're sitting late april talking about how the trees pass now I, I'm pretty certain where he kept the tree and, and what I'm getting at is it's not good practice and I, I think this is what happened to the tree I feel like he had it right up next to his house a brick mm -hmm. brick wall okay uh, I really think the tree just roasted so yeah. based on based on no you what I'm getting at you have to have an idea of where before you go collect, before you go purchase, haven't like you said, we're not just putting these trees inside Cobra Kai style. Yeah. Like we have to have an idea of where we're going to put these things. Mm -hmm. And I look, I've been in a place where I've put my trees. They've been on the ground for months at a time until I had a certain structure, a certain location that was ready. Tables, benches, stands, whatever it may be. But there, it, it shouldn't be based on convenience. Hey, I'm gonna put it next to a metal. <laughs> a metal or a brick where that sun just radiates at the hottest times of the year it's just going to bake it man and i remember looking at that tree i know exactly when, which one you're talking about i helped him build that grow box and get it situated and it had been growing since the last season mm -hmm. and that was one of the first ones you had collected mm -hmm. and it wasn't the roots were like in a in kind of a they weren't really worked with a whole lot gotcha um you, it, you had cut it put it in a, into a tub you know and it's it's just I'm not trying to like shame you or anything it was just like early no. on and look and I'm, I'm all about failing so I can improve yeah. upon you know the craft but it's it's totally fine because I mean you got I mean we live in bald, bald cypress country out here I mean we can go get another one we can give it another shot I know uh, I know your friend Casey really wants to wants to get into it so uh, but yeah it's just something we're gonna have to make sure that we pay more attention to the roots moving forward um, and that that'll come up more and I think uh, as far as I'm looking at the time we're having we get about 20 more minutes to talk about bald cypress and okay. we'll have to make like this a couple of parts okay. like a two-parter I guess yeah sure um, but if you wanted to add a little bit we're, we're gonna move on to fertilization okay. um, if you're fine with that sure no okay um, bald cypress are typically heavy feeders and enjoy generous doses of fertilizer throughout the growing season Make sure to use a slow-release fertilizer throughout the spring to mid-summer. Organic, organic fertilizer mixtures can be used throughout the entire year and provides the root system micronutrients even during dormancy. Organic fertilizer also encourages microbes to dwell in the soil, which help down, break down nutrients and increases cation exchange. So that's what Kyle was talking about earlier with the, the soil media meets the watering situation, the fertilizer, now balanced fertilizer we're talking like like uh we use for our trees here like a 13 13 13 mm -hmm. um the organic fertilizer i use it on all of my trees um, all my other trees that are of different species and i've gotten really awesome results from organic feeding only now i when, use synthetic when, on growing plants but that's when it. you say your trees are you talking about highly ramified trees specimen just, trees gotcha yeah so not trees in development obviously i've got some bald cypresses that we collected recently and those guys get doused with synthetic Correct. feed, bounce synthetic feed all through the year. I think, and this is going to be moving forward, we do have specimens here at the nursery as well that are bald, old bald, bald cypress uh, developed, uh, flat tops and formal informal uprights uh, type trees here. And um, 
we give them a lot of synthetic feed, but they don't have any issues with that. They eat, they eat fertilizer and they drink water. Um, I know a guy down in New Orleans who says that he puts his trees in a bucket of water, he fills the whole thing up, and it's not evaporation, evaporation that's taking the water out of the tray, it's the tree just sucks up gallons of water. And he's, and he's done a little bit of research, field research on watching how much water they can drink. And I think one of those mortar tubs can hold, I think like five gallons of water? Something like that. that. Sounds about right. And they drink up that much water three times a day. So, gallons. Especially during the this summertime. So tell me, do you prefer pellets, granular, liquid? Different times of the year. What, what's your preference? Uh, I I prefer granular because I like uh, bone. Uh, let's say bone meal, blood meal, and cottonseed meal are all kind of like granular. You've Put your, your hands on those. They're kind of like powder granular almost, uh, finer particles. Um, and then I'll use like. A, but you, you make those into something pellet larger. Yeah, I'll mush them up and put them in a, in a tea like bag. A, a, like a cake. Yeah, like almost like a cake. A brownie, something like yeah. similar, I guess. And that, that's, that works out pretty well. And then um, for the cypresses, I would recommend doing like get some tomato fertilizer and get some Dr. Earth. I get that from Walmart. Our, uh, our Costco or wherever else you guys you guys are listening to this at, um, or wherever y'all can get garden supplies, uh, it's pretty affordable. It's like an organic gardening. Uh, you pump it. It's, it says like pump and then water in later, but it's got all the micronutrients and that extra kick of fertilizer that you would need. Um, and I water that stuff in during the growing season. When I seeing when I see heavy active growth, I go over there and I'll, I might even do that every other day introduce some liquid organic feed stuff and if there I have a couple of vining plants like I have a muscadine grape and a uh, Virginia creeper and wisteria. a porcelain berry of wisteria those guys I put a little bit of, of like slow release synthetic into the the bags the tea bags that I use and that helps them so I think with bald cypresses we can do that same thing introduce a little bit of synthetic but not so much that it burns roots and if you're Accumulating mosses and natural, natural things in your soil because that synthetic fertilizer can burn up your microbes too, and your, and lower your your ability to get the micronutrients uh, through your through your finer roots through from your organic fertilizer. Have Have you found Have you found possibly fertilizing later in the spring um, that it, it benefits you to to fertilize later in the spring so you don't get as much of a push as much of a flush because you'd have to, you know, when you talk about swelling, when you talk about the girth of certain certain uh, sizes of branches. So, bald cypress, no matter what, a well-fed bald cypress is going to shoot long, long shoots. And if they're allowed to just get out of control, they will swell. And like with things with like putting wire on them, taking the wire off yeah. is a must because it's gonna bite in there. So, slowing down fertilizer, I would only do it on like a well-refined tree, and if you've pinched back growth, mm. I would I would I would choke a little bit of fertilizer, but you're gonna see it. They're, they're gonna Developing get chlorotic. Trees, let them ride. Yeah, they're gonna get chlorotic. They're gonna get iron deprived. They're gonna turn yellow or or uh, kind of coppery color. They're not going in the fall color, but they'll look a little sickly, uh, lighter green color. It looks kind of weird, like it's got like a sheen kind of color to it. Mm. So, yeah, tapering off fertilizer a little bit is is fine. But if it's a growing tree, you collected it, or you're building branches on it, mm -hmm. I mean, just keep fertilizing. I mean, especially how I've got it listed on here. Use organic fertilizer cakes through the winter, and you will thank me later. They, You'll see, in turn, a stronger bud launch. You'll see more uniform uh, energy throughout the tree. Uh, so, I mean... Can we, can we talk, Evan, about fertilizing in the fall, how important that is versus fertilizing necessarily just in the spring? Well, fertilizing the fall is going to help your tree not only like set up to increase its its uh, resistance to being in that cold weather and being able to build a, big, a better tolerance to being cold. Um, it also helps with your root growth. Your root growth is most active in the in the fall to winter. Uh, you have a lot of top shoots growing in the spring and the summer, of course, and then you get a summer dormancy. But in the winter time. I have watched like like smaller roots and then the bari on the top 
I've watched those roots actually like swell over the course of a couple of months setting up for spring because they're making a push. Yeah. They're storing and they're getting that all the energy ready for spring and that initial bud launch that pushes the energy back up could cause um, could could cause a swelling in the roots and pretty much set you into motion for a healthier, fuller uh, tree in the springtime. So yeah, winter, I, I would say winter fertilizing, fall fertilizing into winter is a must. Yep. Uh, fertilizing doesn't really stop, but you taper off for sure. In the spring, yes, lots of fertilizer. In the fall, taper off. In the winter, you don't have to fertilize every week, but you can make sure that there's some kind of active um, kind of thing going on there. Yeah, fertilize, fertilize. That's one thing that like goes. I mean, we're we're dealing with plants here. You you want like a, you know, like a fragile tree in a very like unstable situation. Yeah, you're gonna slowly diminish and lose that tree. So yeah, fertilize, fertilize, fertilize. Don't forget to fertilize and don't forget to rotate your trees. Mm. That's one thing too. Um, Based on sun reach. Oh, I've got yeah. trees that. Like I've got an elm tree in my in my personal collection right now. It's been growing for the past two months, facing one direction. I turned it around. All the leaves have solar paneled, like faced towards the sun. Mm. The back sides of the leaves are facing with the back side of the tree. So I turned it around because you have to rotate it because otherwise your leaves are gonna. It's gonna look really full on the front. Right. And you're gonna turn it around. You're gonna see right through it, which is fine. You know, like if you're showing the tree, but for the health of the tree, get that full rotation um i think i'm gonna make a slogan out of that as the podcast like the end of the episode will be like this was evan thank you guys rotate your trees right um anyway <laughs> let's um we're gonna wrap this episode up here in just a moment nate okay um i didn't realize i mean there's so much to be said about there this really species. Is. There really um is. so we're gonna have a one and two part conversation and we might even go into a part three where we talk further and discuss it um and we might be lucky enough to get somebody else who has a lot of experience with it so that's what I'm really hoping for. Now, this this is going to be a big section. Uh, this is going to be the last one we're going to bring up. It's pruning. How to prune bald cypress. So this this is something I know I get a lot of questions about. Um, a lot of beginners. I'm doing I'm doing a workshop this weekend with bald cypresses and how to shape them into various different styles. And I'm going to be covering how to how to like treat the buds, how to get certain types of back budding on these trees, yada yada, kind of like that kind of thing. And the, the question is like, always is how long do I let the shoot grow? How do I cut it? How do I generate back budding? How do I get twigging? It's, this, is, this is going to break it down. Me and Dawn worked very, like me and Dawn broke this one down hmm. piece by piece to make sure that it's all here. And so if anyone needs to reference it, this is going to be posted on the underhillboneside.com uh, blog posting area. Um, and then you guys could always listen to this part of the podcast again. So pruning, we're just gonna go straight through it and then we'll take some notes, uh, see what you think. There are four key moments in pruning bald cypress to encourage energy balance throughout the entire tree and to increase branch ramification. Springtime, pruning small to medium branches can, can be carried out when buds are beginning to swell. This refining pruning can be carried out to encourage back budding and a flush of new branch growth. So prune out buds as they begin to swell so that you don't get really long shoots in the spring. Early summer, after your first flush, after your spring flush, new shoots can be pruned back for shape after they have matured. That's whenever they come from that green to that lignified, lignified yeah. uh, purpley color. The stem changes from green to orange slash brown color, which is kind of like a it's kind of like a weird brown, purple, red. It's hard to explain. Waiting for this color change, help, change helps ensure that shorter branches and twigs formed from this pruning survive and continue to develop. After this pruning, we should leave our bald cypresses mostly untouched so that the thick foliage mass can be accumulated. A robust canopy will help protect against sunburning of delicate roots and the horizontal areas of the flutes. So in the summer, we need big, flushed out big big old canopies of foliage masses on our bald cypresses uh, no pruning in the summer after that early fall prune back to secondary or, tri or tertiary branching to further improve refinement 
and set buds for next year's flush. Make sure that there is enough time for a late flush of growth to mature leaves before the first freeze. This is whenever we start to get into that, can I defoliate my tree at this time of the year? Please don't defoliate, fully defoliate, fully defoliate your bald cypress in this time of the year. I hear the a lot of practitioners, old school practitioners say this, a partial defoliation is way more than enough. This is a, this early fall is a great time to strip leaves off of the interior parts and put a little wire and make some do some tweaking to the branch structure. We don't want to go crazy and push it into another full-fledged full spring growth because we're weakening the tree before the fall season. Late fall, a last pruning after leaf drop can be done for a neater winter silhouette. But note that some small twigs may experience dieback and will not be apparent, and this will not be apparent until the following spring. And then Dawn wanted to put this note. She made sure that this was on there. Note, when working with Yamadori, wild collected trees or young stock, hard chunk chops and branch removals are best carried out in the spring close to bud break. This will generate, generate the strongest growth your bald cypress will produce in the year. The tree will respond, vigorous, respond vigorously by beginning strong callus formation and pro producing replacement branches that are best for forming the tree's main structure. That, I love that she wanted me to put that in there because that is also another thing is like, a lot of people will bring in these really tall bald cypresses with a little bit of branching lower down towards the base of the tree and they're like, I obviously want to chop this tree down and get it reduced in height, grow the top back out and heal over that, that chop. Springtime, a lot of people say fall, a lot of people say midwinter, right when the buds are about to, this, uh, to come out. That is the best time because it will generate it, a insane amount of energy and growth from that chop site and also push further down. And I mean, the more pruning you do, the better you'll be off with the tree because back budding, the only nuisance I can find about with this tree is that when you prune back hard, you get back budding on the trunk and all up and down the branches. But that can be a very good thing because now you get to build finer branching easier on this species right. because it's capable of doing that. So let me get some final thoughts on that, Nate. Yeah. What? This may sound way out of nowhere or out of right field, but I do think uh, our trees change, man. Whether it be a, a, a collected piece, a recently collected piece, or whether it be a specimen, trees change. I think it's smart as practitioners and as artists to sketch out what you want. To sketch out, you know, design, hey, this is what it would look like this form, this form, this form, this branch here, before you just start cutting and, and taking branches off, I think, and, and for me, I, I, I like to sketch out, hey, here's what I have to work with based on the tree, based on the movement in the tree, based on the nabari, based on the taper, uh, based on, you know, like I say, the taper and how tall I have to grow this leader out. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm looking to do. And, and here's the branching that I have. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, my, my spring cut, I'm not gonna cut to five primary branches. You know, I'm gonna leave a lot more due to dieback, due to um, just trying to build the, the root system, you know, the yeah. photosynthetic material for, for the roots to grow themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, because yeah. we, we by nature, I know I am, I can be impatient and I wanna get, I want to get to that man when somebody walks in I don't want them to see a bush you want to see a nice looking right potential bonsai and that's one thing about the species can that can be their downfall is like you're saying like they grow so fast and you can pull them out of the ground and you'll get these really strong lignified shoots and you'll get branches even out of these shoots in the first year and you're just like let's go to work but right. you can't you re well you can't but it's not in best practice to it's better to just wait, like you said. I like how you said that. Hey, let this come out. Let it harden off. Let's get those roots built from the new shoots that are coming up and get that photosynthetic material up in the air into the sunlight so the tree can further recover. We can establish our root ball, make a strong tree, and make a tree we work on for generations. You know? Two other things I want to add. Number one, to and, and we've been in this position, but to completely remove all branching if it's a collected tree. I think that's probably going to be a topic for the next part of this because that's yeah. a, 
That's a deep. That's a okay. really deep one. But uh, let me see. I'm, I'm just I'm scrolling ahead, um, seeing. Yeah, I don't really have. Now on this care guide, you have to keep in mind too, Nate. This care guide is is aimed towards people who have gotten a bald cypress, yeah. and they want to, and they want to just like. In best practice, keep it alive, know how to take care of it, where to put it in their yard, how to water it, how to feed it, yada yada. Uh, and you want to deep dive into Yamadori collection, post collection. Uh, and we can tell you what, we'll do that in part three. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a whole other subject. So, so one other thing, multiple branches coming from the same shoot from the trunk. Yeah. Like, we can talk about, man, I want to let this, I want to let this run. I, I, want, I want to let, you know, I want to give myself some some choices you know and leave certain branching mm. but the idea when you get when you begin to see those two three multi you know multi branches coming from from that one one joint we definitely need to pick yeah and you want to the pick there and you don't want to get swelling and you don't want to get a whirl of branches because yeah that and that's one thing i was saying is like pet peeve with the tree only one is that if you cut back hard you get in turn you get suckering branches which is sometimes called a crotch branch or in or a uh like a armpit branch or a, what was that dog leg a dog leg yeah that sounds about right because it's a really sharp intersection right. between two branches and those will sucker the energy away from your main branch you're trying to develop mm -hmm. if you cut back really hard um i've got trees out there that we can look at in just a second here they're outside i worked on with the Bald Cypress uh, flat top development videos that I did for the YouTube channel. Um, they're exploding with growth. I mean, there's so much growth on one of those trees, you can't even see the trunk anymore. I know which one you're talking you about. You know which one. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, and for you guys who have been watching the YouTube channel and looking for the follow-up to those trees, they're coming soon. I just want those trees to get rambunctious. Like, they already are. I've been going out there and taking shoots off of sections where like Nate's saying is like, don't let that get too out of control because then you'll get inverse swelling and and bumps all over the trunk and stuff which i was told by dana quarterbaum that he doesn't mind the bumps on the trunk he actually thinks that's what makes it look older because if you look at old bald cypresses in the swamps they do have bumps on you know yeah. from old yeah. branches that broke away and and severed away that's their gin like yeah bald cypresses don't really have like deadwood branches on them they they're in such a wet environment most of that falls away and the deadwood pieces that do exist that this is something to think of too. If if you're trying to depict a, a bald cypress with a lot of gin or shari, and you have to think about their environment, trees that look like that, that have that big dead top, those trees are either dying or a year or two away from being dead. And that salt that's that saltwater intrusion killing them back really fast. And that's a very short term look to those trees. In a couple of years, I think it'll be bone white, no leaves, no bark, just dead. So um, that's not really a look to go far, you're saying? You, it, it is a part of the bald cypress's life that you can show, but a lot of people, a lot of people, especially people who look at bald cypresses a lot, like natives here in Texas and Florida, will go look at that tree and be like, yeah, I can see this. I know exactly where you're trying to depict this. This is down in like Manchac Swamp or like Pontchartrain coming out Brackish towards Grand Isle, yeah. Grand Isle swamps. Uh, further down there, Brackish uh, actuaries getting filled up. And uh, like me and Mark mentioned in the previous episode, where he used to go down and hang out in Bayou Lafitte, and all those trees are dead now. They, he said it was a lush environment. And Mark's, he, he's your age. Mm -hmm. He says he remembers it being a kid 30 years ago, and he was like, like seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this used to be a lush like rainforest feeling type area and now it's just you can see all the way across to the the shore bank you know like it's it's been that quick but uh but yeah i think i think this would be a good place to to stop for now because i mean we're about to go into wiring and repotting and soil and oh my god we probably can spend all like we can make a whole season about talking about soil and stuff um I, if just to add this is such a forgiving species though yeah that even for a beginner um oh i highly recommend man yeah. these trees you can cut back and, and you're gonna have a flush a push quickly oh yeah uh for beginners yes um 
And that was one thing stated about this podcast. If you're a beginner, you're in the right place because we're talking rudimentary level all the way up to more advanced. We want to make sure we hit all the 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 all the things that you need to consider. But uh, we got to wrap it up, Nate. Where uh, where I didn't think we were going to hit an hour this quick, but we're at <laughs> an hour. We keep this at a a tolerable listening listening amount of time for most people who listen to podcasts. Uh, so we're going to wrap it right here. Um, this was this was uh, by you, not by you. Wow. This this was the uh, Bonsai Southeast podcast. I'm Evan Pardue, and that was Nate Murray. And Nate, would you like to say goodbye to the people out there? Whoever's listening, he's thinking of something. You guys, to think, say. right? <laughs> Don't forget to do uh, do no, the water thing. No, that's my line. No, I'm gonna say water. Don't forget to do the water thing. The water thing. What's the water thing? Uh, that that uh the submergent thing? no that high quality h2o don't forget to do the water thing oh, i was like oh, okay no don't get, don't, don't put me on the spot hydrate. there don't forget the, to hydrate yeah don't forget to drink water i think that that's been going around but yeah uh this was bonsai southeast and my outgoing slogan now is don't forget to rotate your trees for the love of god rotate <laughs> your trees you don't want a flat one-dimensional looking bald back side of a tree but Yep, you guys have a great uh, a great day and we'll see you for part two of Paul Cyprus.